Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Data Revolution podcast. I'm Kate Carruthers, and this time I will be talking with Gladwin Mendez. Gladwin is passionate about making a difference to the world through data and relishes the opportunity to expand that to a wider global stage. He is the Chief Customer and Analytics Officer at Simply AI, and he has more than 15 years' experience in technology, data, and analytics, and he has worked across New Zealand, Australasia, North America, and Europe. And he is really keen on data, but super keen on people. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome, Gladwin. Good to be on board, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I've been wanting to chat with you because um, we had a really interesting chat at a conference and I thought it'd be interesting to keep that going. And uh, so this is a great opportunity. And But tell me, you want to talk about people, not data. This is a data revolution podcast. It's a very strange concept, I imagine, Kate. But yeah, it is. It's like, and I have a saying: it's I love data, and anyone who knows me knows I love data. But I like people more because <clears throat> I strongly believe it's not data that gets you there; it's people coming together, working on that data, using those tools, having that strategy, the process uh, that brings out the best outcomes. Right at the end of the day, it's not all these magical things that happen it's it's people churning and working through things collectively and that collective excellence at the end of the day that's that's kind of antithetical to what a, a lot of people seem to think about the the world of you know data and inventions where it's the great hero and stuff but it sounds like you really want to bring together the people the process as well as the technology yeah, exactly look at uh, Again, I've always strongly believed in those five pillars of strategy, people, process, technology, and data, right? And you have to have sufficient alignment across all of those. Otherwise, the the lack of having any one of those things off, any one of those things is sufficiently behind, you're going to really be hamstrung and you're not going to be able to deliver as effectively as you should. So when when you're talking about people, I mean, you're obviously talking about different people at different levels in the organisation. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the leadership. So what are, what are things do you think they need to be doing and looking out for? Well, I think, um, and when I talk about leadership, I also talk about the governance. So again, as an Institute of uh, Directors member, it starts at that board level, right? The board set the strategy and the executive and the organization deliver to that strategy. So using artificial intelligence, for example, a lot of noise, lots of information out there, very, very polarizing. I think we can all agree about that. But there needs to be sufficient understanding at a board level and that tone at the top. I'm not saying that they have to know all the ins and outs out of uh, of uh, AI. What I'm saying is they need to know sufficient information about AI so that they can manage the risk and they can govern it, and then they can push down that and understand what's realistic or unrealistic and push that into the strategy for the business and the CEO to deliver. And you know, so that's that top down, but also bottom up. Uh, you know, I attended an amazing CSIRO event, and they talked about this insurance company where every single team member and ha- this all insurance company has a really high level of maturity, 
because they've ensured that the education, the literacy of all the team members, the CEO, CEO can explain sufficiently to any one of the customers or people on the street how his company is using AI, not you know at a technical level, but this is how we're using it, and this is how we protect our customers, how we protect our communities, and that's what we need. Right? And that's just an example of something very topical with the AI, but there needs to be sufficient uh, sufficient literacy level for people to essentially um, be able to deliver and be, you know, a, a data-led organization. Right? It, again, if I were to use an analogy, Kate, it would be to drive a car, you need to get your driver's license, right? <clears throat> It's the same sort of thing. To really drive this data-driven organization, you need to have a certain level of understanding. You know, you stop at a red light. Uh, you stop at a stop sign. You keep to the speed limits, so on. So, yeah. Well, but but all of that's really just starting to emerge now with AI. So, you yeah. know, we've we've got really solid ways of working and managing with databases, and we know what we should be doing when we're managing a database. But... Um, all of that's just starting to emerge now with AI, like their standards, but they're all very new and a lot of them haven't been implemented in real life yet. So how and and you seem to be saying that we need data literacy. And how do how do you drive that through an organization? Well, look, I think it, it there's no silver bullet to doing that. And I know organizations spending significant amounts of money, but you've got to start somewhere. Um as a data executive, I think it's important, and this is with my first 100 days in any role, would be meeting all my counterparts at the exec level to sit down, understand the business's problems, not and understanding the business. And then after listening is then to play back to these various stakeholders how potentially data could help them and what the journey needs to be. So. You've got two years, so you've got to listen to start off with, and that's what I usually did in my first 100 days. Lots of listening, and then at the appropriate time is then essentially reflecting back to them, hey, look, you have X, Y, and Z problem. This is potentially an area where data could help you, and let's work together on solving those business problems and delivering those business outcomes. Because again, you know, people talk about you need those use cases, right? And the mm -hmm. easiest way to teach is not through theoretical and kind of dislike the word best practice. I actually prefer good practice, which is pragmatic, practical uh, use cases and examples for real life problems. Oh, yeah. And totally. problems that business people are facing. And it's not just the executive, it's all the people down to the, the front line who are dealing with these challenges and problems of, oh, you know. And the most dangerous words I've ever heard in any business that I've gone into is, well, we've always done it this way, mm. is can you create an environment? And now we're mixing up different kind of concepts, but this is where I strongly feel that that through people, through culture, and that's why they're saying that the only time, you know, overrides anything else is culture eats strategy for breakfast. So it's that can you build that culture of being comfortable, put your hand up and going, hey, look, actually, I'm going to challenge the status quo. And you have 
you you have yourself and your team looking out for those and actually working alongside people on front line all the way up to the executive right it doesn't matter them going hey look here's a real life example where data analytics and machine learning and ai can help you and let's work through it together and actually delivering together on a real life use case that they can see the value rather than a theoretical but that's what i find the most useful way of doing it show not tell yeah, I hear you. Uh, that's how I got my data lake. I had this vision for a serverless <laughs> data lake, and I said that to a few people, and they went, a what? And so I did a proof of concept and showed them, and they were blown away at yep. how fast we could load data and build build dashboards. So, you know, show show before you tell is always best. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, but, you know, we've been talking a lot about the, the leadership, but um, obviously we need to work through our people our data professionals, and that's a really challenging thing to do right now because even finding people is really hard. Uh, how, how how are you going about that? Well, I, I'm glad you asked, Kate. Now, I would almost respond with a question back, right, which is we're all struggling, all us data leaders to find good people in the data space. But my question back is, what are we as data leaders doing to change that? Right? So literally uh, just the other week, I engaged with one of the universities here in Sydney to go, hey, look, you know, and I've had experience in in sort of New Zealand uh, and would frequently be called in to lecture and present and provide feedback to the universities, right? And I call that cultivating the grassroots level, right? It's It requires a more long-term view, but I've seen that come to fruition time and time again. So I am really, really passionate again about people, but people at, you know, educating the next generation of data leaders. And nothing makes me more proud than seeing people actually exceed my career uh, path, right? And do better than I have, but literally starting from, Heck, you know, I met them at university. They, after doing a presentation or a lecture, they came running up and said, Hey, look, tell me more about X, Y, and Z and data. And then they've gone into maybe pivoted or instead of going purely business, they've gone, I want to do business and analytics, right? And then come through the ranks. And again, as a data leader, I'm, I watch their career and first chance I get, I grab them and bring them into my organization, right? So um, my answer is is answering it with a question at the end of the day, is what are we data leaders doing? And I feel there are many things we could be doing, and I'm doing it, and I'm looking for people to help me to sort of engage with the universities and give back in that ecosystem of business, academia, and government on what can we do as data leaders to cultivate that generation. It's not going to happen overnight but in the long run if we can get people more excited and interested in stem subjects that's where we're going to get it from let's make it exciting again right well you know i keep telling people that there's two careers that are that are future proof it's cyber and data they Mm. are the two two um growth areas for careers and Mm. and data is a really exciting place to be now because it drives the whole business 
in before data was really static and boring and it was just in databases, but mm. now it's flowing and driving the entire business. So it's a really interesting time. And obviously being at a university, um, I, I know we, we're teaching all of these people um, in, in our um, analytics courses and stuff. Um, and we've got so we've got a really sweet little data society amongst the students, mm. and they're really so enthusiastic and adorable. Um, but it's really interesting to think about what's the career trajectory now. Mm. So, you know, somebody will start as maybe a data analyst or a data engineer. And what mm. I'm starting to see is new roles emerging. So I'm going to be hiring my first AI engineer uh, very soon. And I'm already seeing the need for like an AI product manager who who would be like a BA, but who understands the technology of AI. Mm. So it's really um, interesting to think about the new roles that are going to start to emerge. How do you how do you think you can transition people from like being a data analyst to, to being in one of those new roles sort of thing? I think it comes down to. Uh, you know, a couple of things, but the, if I was to distill it down to one key aspect, and maybe I'm oversimplifying things, but it's that growth mindset. You know, we opened up the conversation uh, earlier with, hey, look, geez, we're having to learn so much, ourselves included. Yeah. I think if you get the right team members who always never stop learning, that's what I, I always hire for, right? And I don't. I don't even lock it down to uh, or focus it just purely on STEM individuals. Some of the best team members I've had have come from accounting background and also have having that diversity in thoughts. I've had business people, I've had accountants, I've had lawyers um, who've gotten really excited but bring that interesting flavor. Um, and so, yeah, you know, this talking, there was that interesting case of that lawyer using chat gpt and backfired so but funny. you know it's like but it shows that people are trying to use it right but it's just this what can we do to cultivate that different way you know ways of thinking you know if you've got a legal background then maybe you're actually really great for the privacy and ethics aspects of ai and machine learning so i think it comes down to two things is growth mindsets um and people are willing to learn and grow and secondly, is not limiting my, uh, like our focus on just purely, you know, technical backgrounds and sort of, and like IT or technology. Um, again, another example I use, one of the best data stewards I ever had, and I couldn't believe how good he was, actually came from a tax person, would you believe it? Mm. He was one of the best data stewards, hands down, I've mm. ever seen. And he was so engaged in news information inside out. He was then informing product people and finance people and the and even the BI team on, hey, look, actually your assumption with this product and benefits are actually wrong. Right? It's actually this, and this is the correct treatment of this product and benefit. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, we well, we need people like that. And it's always good to keep your mind open. I remember we hired somebody who um failed the coding test that we had for our data engineers, but um, made a good answer. So they said, I don't know this language. I've got no idea about it, but here's how I'd approach it. And they Amazing. laid out the steps. Yeah. And we we just hired her because it was a sensible approach and she was smart. She could learn coding. She didn't exactly. need to know it. 
So hiring smart people is helpful too. And like to that point also, is like so again, similarly, I've gone to universities and recruitment events and been on sort of uh, moderation panels kind of thing or panels where my message to the students are, look, it's not about the you have to have all the skills. You just have to have that right mindset, that logical mindset like you've talked about, Kate, and be enthusiastic and have that hunger and want to learn about it. And I'll take that over someone who's technically brilliant but maybe a, a brilliant jerk, right? We all know of one or two of them. I well, would take and that, a- that leads me into my next question is, is what about the people skills, you know, because having people who are good with data who aren't good with people means that they can't play well on a team. Exactly. Well, teamwork makes the dream work, right? And that's to say, well, I use that saying, and a lot of data executives I respect use that same term. Um, and another one that I use, and I'm, again, I mention it and usually close with it uh, quite often in my presentations, is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right? Because it's a team effort at the end of the day. Uh, I've got zero tolerance for brilliant, brilliant jerks on my team. Um, and I will typically have some very hard discussions with them until they become team players, right? Because you have to be able to work in a team. And also as a leader, you know, we have to put in the hard work to coach them and mentor them and, you know, not write them off, but give them the right support so that they can be the best that they can be within their capabilities, right? But but have you had to get rid of people? I, you know, I have. And it's always a hard discussion, but you need to protect the team. Exactly. I exactly right. Um, yeah. Look, I agree. There's no room for brilliant jokes. Um, mm. So if you're technically brilliant, and but you can't do it on your own because we all work together. You can't do it all on your own, right? You can have one. You can't have one person running an entire company. Yeah. So I agree. You can't. You can't. I can't. If you're a technically brilliant person. Yeah, you can't accept that on a team as a team lead. So one of the other things I always look for if, is people who've played team sports because they come ready-made playing together. Mm-hmm. It's I'll take a, I'll take I'll take it one higher than that, but because I don't play team sports, I'm terrible at sports. <laughs> I'd immediately fail your test game. Um, is ex-military. Mm-hmm. If I come across and I've had, and these people on the, will know I'm talking about them, um, is the best manager and leader I ever worked with was ex-Air Force in the New Zealand Air Force. And I remember our, our team always being so happy and so excited to come to work, right? Um, wonderful, wonderful leader. And I remember always wanting to be like him. And some, like I've had a number of team members, and if I had two CVs and one had military experience in it, I'd often normally gravitate towards the ex-military person because it doesn't get more serious than that in the military because if you're not a team player, you know, people are going to die. Hmm. So I think ex-military people, if you, yeah. And it's funny, I actually made that comment 
at the Chief Data and Analytics Officer Conference, we had, I forget what the chap's name, he was from the Australian military uh, and data governance group. And I said, I'm sorry, I end up poaching from you guys every time because you have the best team players. Yeah, well, you know, I so that that's an interesting thing about how they train their people because, mm. you know, there's all the technical skills, but a lot of times what I see in organisations, they don't invest any um, training in their people and they certainly don't teach them about uh, management. Yeah. And that's a big gap. And I think I agree. It's, and some organizations are better than others at it. I've been very fortunate to have a lot of, well, having gone through the ranks of some organizations that you know, had some really good team and skills taught to you. And one in particular was like the trusted advisor training, which I always reflect on in everything I do. But I think, again, as a data leader to that people focus, you as a data leader are not going to succeed unless you can train up your your team members and your, your second in charge and so on and teach them what good looks like and then trying to cultivate a positive working environment for all your team members and actually cracking down on any sort of maverick behavior, right? Zero it sounds like you're really behavior. talking uh, about modeling good behavior for your exactly. people. Yeah, I think, uh, again, it comes down to that tone at the top, right? If it's a toxic environment up at the top and if you have managers who accept bad behavior, that's just going to kill it because what what's the number one reason people leave companies you know okay it's the managers it's the managers it's the, managers, it's the leaders right and that's the same thing as like you so on the flip side why do people stay because they've got good leaders and good managers right yeah it's such an important thing and you know one of the things that i'm always working with my um up and coming leaders is they need to make that shift from being an individual contributor to being a leader and I keep saying that the only way you can do big things is with people, through people. And mm. so that's the people like that. become yeah. your tool, not the coding or whatever it is that you're doing, you used to do. So it's interesting. Well, we're just out of just about out of time. So mm -hmm. thank you so much, Gladwin. I really appreciate you coming on today. Well, you're um, welcome, Kate. It was lovely to come on and um have a little rant and a yarn and stuff. So yeah. Oh, it's always nice to chat with people that I know. <laughs> and um, that's all for now, folks. Thank you for joining us. Hope you'll join us, join me again next time. Please don't forget to review and rate the podcast. It really does help. Thank you. Right. And bye. And that is it for another episode of the Data Revolution podcast. I'm Kate Crothers. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to give the show a nice review and a like on your podcast app of choice. See you next time.